Let's go to John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. This is cool. Last time it rained like this, it was kind of on, off, on, off. Do you guys remember that? And it was like, you just roll with it. It's the living water. Jesus is speaking to the disciples here. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain, everybody say remain, in me, as I also remain in you. And no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, says Jesus. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's a pretty bold statement. He acts like he's God or something. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. 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 If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, here it is again. Remain. Everybody say remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love thought we were talking about fruit here. I have told you this, verse 11, so that, you, that my joy might, may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love than no, has no one than this to lay down one's life for a friend. And you are my friends if you do what I command. Jesus's love is unconditional, but he gives a condition here that as his friend, you will do the commandments of God, he's saying. That's what friends do. I preached on that once before, and I just thought that was really good because people throw out that part. They just say, I am a friend of God. I do nothing. No, he calls me friend when I do what he commands. That's not in the song, but that's in the Bible. Now, we want to start our friendship with God without, without fear and all those things. I'm not saying be, be, like, be like you're like working for God. But, but there's a point where a friendship is demonstrated by the commandments you follow of the Lord. You know? Y'all getting this? It's just the Bible. I didn't write it. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me. Everybody say this, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Are you anybody, anybody got some rotten fruit drawing the fruit flies this time of year? Not that kind of fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. 
how on earth does the Lord think that loving each other is going to bear much fruit and I'm going to remain in his branch? I'm confused. We're going to get there. I don't know what voice that was, but it just came out. <laughs> My title today is In Order to Remain. In Order to Remain. Remain is like abide. Abide is like stay, live, dwell. They're all syn synonymous here. In Order to Remain. Was anybody ever in the orchestra in school? Nicole, violin, <laughs> Don, uh, viola, Michael, upright bass, nobody. I played the cello. Gabe, what'd you play? Sweet. You were in the band. We didn't talk to you people. We are in the stringed side. That's all right. I still love you. I played the cello from the fourth grade through high school, and when I started out on the cello, you know, that's the thing, horsehair thing on the bow, and you, you put the rosin, rosin, whatever you call it, and you play the thing. Like, I thought it was cool in the fourth grade. I thought it was okay in the fifth grade. I thought it was super lame in the ninth grade, but it was an easy A, so I kept playing. Now, by the ninth grade, I went from, like, first chair to fourth chair. And then by ninth grade to like 11th grade, I went to like no chair, like you better practice or we're kicking you out of here thing. And I'm like, Mrs. Croc, that was her name. You know what's funny about Mrs. Croc, if you're watching? She was my third grade violin teacher before I transferred to cello. And later in life, she became my high school orchestra teacher. After going through other teachers in junior high, we were like, we like reunited and it feels so good. Except she didn't like that I wasn't practicing no more, so she wasn't as nice as fourth grade. And I'm thinking, like, what happened to this thing we had? And so, so what the reality was is I was just winging it on the remnants of all the private schools, uh, private lesson kids. You know those kids, they're like dedicated to it. Like they invest outside of the class. Like they come prepared and they can play like a whole sonata or whatever you call them, something classical. And they should already be in the symphony and you're in there going, what's going on? Anybody ever have that moment in class? What's going on? Just like that. That was every day for me. That's all a high school. That's still any school I do now is what's going on in here. I'm a little better at 43. But... But what happened was I kept slipping down the ranks because I was living off the fumes or the remnants of the fruit that was rooted back in the third and fourth grade. I was still playing the same way. Like, did you know there is notes on a music staff and you should know them in the ninth grade, what the notes are? And I was still remembering uh, positions with my fingers, Curry. It was just magic to me. It's the same with the electric bass. It's the same thing as the upright bass. It was just magic to me. But these kids all knew something I didn't because they were still rooting and building something in their, in their instrumentation, in their, in their music ability, while I was just kind of hanging on for dear life. And I'll never forget it. I tried out for the symphonic orchestra, and they played Vivaldi, the Four Seasons. And I thought if I could get in there and play the Four Seasons, um, uh, anybody know the Four Seasons? Summer, winter, fall, spring obviously, four seasons. And they're so good. And I'm like, I want to be up there and just shine on the winter song. It was so good. Um, nobody knows winter. 
That might have been summer. I don't know. It was good, though. But see, I got the tryout for Mrs. Croc, and I was, like, really just kind of done with school, but I was just waiting to graduate. And so, so I couldn't do, like, the first three notes because they were all up here now. Like, where's my helper tape from the fourth grade? There's no frets on a cello. You either know the note or you don't. And so, 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 so like, I was lost, and she said, Jeff, you're not ready for this. I suggest you go back and practice the rest of your life, and then you'll be, it'll be too late, so just quit now. She didn't say that, but that's what I felt like she said. So I graduated, and I quit the cello, and I grabbed a guitar, I'm just saying. But the problem was I was never really staying connected to what started. I, I drifted. I drifted from the, 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 the dedication, and I drifted from the commitment, and I drifted from uh, the word of music, kind of like the word of God. We are to abide in that. I quit living in that world and just was trying to sling it, trying to live off the fumes as long as I could to get another A so all my electives were complete. And that eventually dried up. Eventually the garden of my playing started drying up. And now I still got that cello, but last time I tried to play it, I broke something. I broke the bridge. Hey kids, daddy plays crack. I'll put this in another 10 years till I take it over the muzzingo to fix it. I'm too lazy for that too. So, so what I'm saying is, what started as a very sincere thing to me ended because I was just winging it. And you can only wing it so long. So maybe you're not a musician and maybe you don't play the cello and that's okay, even though it is a really cool instrument. But I wanna ask you, have you ever been in a situation where you said, you know what, I'm tired of relying on them. I'm gonna do this myself. Anybody? Just get tired of waiting on somebody? Nobody? Everybody waits on somebody here? Nobody wants to do it themselves? Come on, somebody. Jake and Curry wanna do it themselves. Good. But we are taught in this world how to hustle our way through life to get what we need to survive. But like all things, if we are trained to depend on the world, eventually our needs may reach a shortage. Hello, supply chain. Or the things we depend on may just become unavailable. We call that backordered in my house. We're Amazon addicts. Oh, it's backordered from Pottery Barn. It says it'll be here in 2024. Oh, I'll wait it out. My kids will be grown. So we're waiting on something. I don't know how to go build furniture. I don't know how to go grow a pizza. Like, I don't know how to do that. So some things we don't know how to do on our own, but some things we know how to do on our own, and we still decide to just go get it. Why? Because it's easy. It's convenient. The Bible talks about fruit. This is really good. I hope you leave going, I understood that message from the pastor today. That was good. Fruit is more than a thing we get at the produce section, in the grocery but rather the offspring of something. Fruit is never the source until it bears fruit of its own. Isn't that good? So anytime you look at a piece of fruit, you can go, you've got a daddy. Anytime. Because fruit is never the source until it bears fruit of its own. That means it came from something else. That's why the Bible says Jesus was the word. The word is also a synonymous for fruit, the offspring of something, because he was born of the begotten father. The only, he was the only begotten of the father, excuse me. It means he's the only thing ever created off the offspring of the Holy Spirit, which is God in action. So therefore, we shall call him the son, because son is also synonymous for fruit. Did you know that? We're talking about fruit here. You didn't know fruit was all over the Bible. It is. It talks about fruit. Fruit is never the source until it bears fruit of its own. Then it becomes the source of some other fruit. 
And the love of God is like a well that never runs out of water, a spring that never stops flowing towards us. But there comes a moment in all our walks that God will ask us to get into the process of producing. Everybody say producing. In order to yield the fruit we desire. My sustenance, and big word for today, is not based on what's at my local supermarket, but rather what's at the root of my garden. Are you making or taking? Are you producing or pillaging? In order to remain, I must engage in God's process. God is our provider, the Bible says. But what did God do when the people were done with the manna? He said, quit eating that and go grow some stuff. He gave them duties. He gave them responsibility. God gives you responsibility through sanctification as you grow into your understanding through wisdom and time by revelation by the Spirit of God in your life. And eventually you're going to know what God created it, but I'm going to do something with it now. Instead of just keeping it like toilet paper. Can I really use all this toilet paper? Well, with five kids, yes, you can. Okay, maybe we should keep that. But you know what I'm saying? Like, do we really need that much if we can't use it? God didn't give it to just hold it. He gave it to use it. Use it or lose it. You ever heard that? What happens to fruit if you don't use it? It spoils. I like to buy arugula because it tastes a lot better than spinach. And when you want to feel really healthy, you just get a couple big handfuls of arugula and you just carefully put some nice dressing on it. You don't want to ruin it and then make it a, make it a thousand calories. But, but that arugula tastes so good. But guess what always happens? It goes bad in my fridge. It starts turning brown because I don't use it. So then we toss it. It's no different. God's provision was not to be wasted. And I'm not even preaching on, on manna here, but there's a reason the manna, they didn't keep it. They had to wait for it the next day. That's a different sermon. But what do we do when supplies run low in this world? We go shopping. We door dash it. We, got, we grub hub it. We Amazon it. Now we target it. It's so nice. Soon they'll have Starbucks at your window with your stuff. I said, Michelle, they should, anybody ever did a target pickup curbside? Anybody? Does anybody like Target? Y'all Walmart people or what? Okay. Well, I said, Michelle, they should, they should have Starbucks with this. And then we'll tip the people. That would be so cool. And then she goes, guess what? They're coming out with Starbucks at your, at your window. I said, that is good. Did they hear our conversation? So next time I'm like, when is this coming? That's all I really care about is the coffee. But we go shopping when we need something. Very few of us, but there are some that get out and produce what you need. Nate's not here, but he's really good about producing things on his farm, like eggs. Uh, what else do they do? What else do farm people do? Milk. They, they like fruit trees. Like, I thought milk grew on the shelf at the grocery out of the milk tree. Like, well, see, I, I don't even know. I'm so used to just going to get what I need. But some people recognize that in order to keep going, eventually you're going to run into a shortage. But if you're producing on your own, you won't run out. Isn't that good? Jesus says, I am the true vine, the gardener. You must remain in me. Where he says, you're dead without me. When the economics of life hit, we adjust based on supply and demand. 
We'll pay premium dollar for gas because we don't have it. So we got to do it. We got we to gotta, we gotta pay for it because we don't, have, we don't know how to produce it. And, and God, God, God's supply doesn't disconnect, doesn't run out. But you got to remain in it for it to stay ripe. He says, remain in me. But he says you can be cut off. You can be disconnected from the tree, the vine. So it's not like we don't have a choice. We do have a choice to stay in him, to remain in his supply, or we have a choice to go out on our own. There's a lot of times in my life where I felt so invincible, I said, God, thank you, but I got it. Anybody else? Is anybody else cocky with the Lord? Gabe, I feel you, bro, because sometimes you just feel like I got it. And that's okay. Sometimes God empowers you to, to have it. I mean, we were to lean on him for understanding, but take and do something with it. But sometimes we actually start forgetting God's in this. And start actually thinking we did this. And start thinking we built this. And we, 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 made that, we made that job succeed. And we start forgetting that God is the provider. That we did do something with it, but God is always the vine. And when we start forgetting that the vine is the only way we can survive and that we are creating our own vine without him, that's a problem. And he addresses it right here to the apostles. Now remember, Jesus is about to go away so they can take his place. So he's saying, don't get, don't get all caught up in yourselves here. Because if you forget and quit remaining in me, you will wither like the branches. And he says, I prune my tree. I got to prune my tree. We always say less is more because you got to prune it back to keep it growing forward. If you grow into a big mess, that's what you got. You can have a lot of help that does no good and creates a bunch of problems. People think I'm mean. I say, no, we trim it back until it's right. And we rebuild it. We prune, we prune, we prune. And the Bible says we prune, we prune, we prune. This is the Bible. It's because he loves us that we prune. It's because God's church loves you that the church prunes and so forth. Because we are trying to get people to see that they must remain in him and never stray from that. Isn't it funny how when you're really hungry, or excuse me, dehydrated, what do you crave? A nice apple, something fresh? You don't really want the Cheetos anymore. Your body is starving for the real thing. Has anybody ever had that? I've talked about like the cycling trips, you're dehydrated, you get off the bike, what do you want? You need something hydrating that's natural from God's earth. Isn't it funny that God created fruit for us to eat to mirror the fruit of heaven? That's what he's doing. In the food, everything is a reflection of how God works. I thought that's so cool. It's like, God, you're a Kiwi. I didn't know it. He's not really a Kiwi. The pastor says, God is a Kiwi. No, I didn't mean literally. I mean, if he wanted to be a Kiwi, he was a burning bush. But I'm just, you know, I didn't mean it like that. Here's the point. In order to remain in him, we must engage in his process. You can't keep taking from an empty root. And the root will become empty when you disconnect from the true vine, he says in verse 1. He says, I am the true vine. So what God is doing here, he's encouraged you to draw from him, but then create your own source so you can bear fruit. Is that making sense? Like, well, are you saying we no longer depend on Jesus? No, I'm saying depend on him always, but now start doing something to start creating from your garden. He's still the gardener. He's still the, the seed that you're getting, but now it's coming through you. Oh, I'm going to get super preachy on you in a minute. I'm going to hold that back. We can't keep taking 
from an empty root? When are we going to make what we need instead of taking what we need? God said he cuts off or prunes dead branches. Are you attached to what God has cut off? If you got cut off, I'd jump back in the vine if I were you. That's a good place to be. I've been a dead branch before. You know what's cool about uh, branches that are dying? They can grow back if you get back in the root. We've got these trees at the lake, and they just look so ragged, and they were brand new, and they never got watered. And I said, uh, landscape guy, those things are dead. Replace them, please. He said, actually, they're growing. And I started to look. The tops were greening up after all the brown. So there was still life in there. So some of you feel like you've been cut off, and the church has cut you off, and people have cut you off. But God, when he cuts you off the tree, the difference is he lets you get back in the root if you want. He lets you get back in the vine if you want. It's just that dead part has to go. We call that baptism. That has to go. You got to get back in the tree, in the vine, get new life in you. Actually, the deer were eating those trees. I thought, these are skeleton trees. He says, the deer are eating the trees. I said, what do we do? Put some duct tape around them? What What do we do? That's how ignorant I was with my trees. But the tops were nice and green, by the way. God's garden produces from a pure place. But if we start mingling in the thorns of the world, guess what we're going to do? Contaminate the garden. Contaminate the supply coming from the root. How can you make water without a well? There's another one. Eventually something's got to give. You can keep drawing water out of that well, but if the well goes away, what's going to happen? Well, let's go buy some bottled water. God says, I'm the living water, and I am the well, and my water shall never run dry. My investment isn't always based on what I can get. It's based on what I put in. Just like the orchestra, the result or fruit that came out of my playing was based on what I put in. When I was just trying to take from people to get by, and that doesn't last. That is not God's way to coast through the church, to coast through the walk so we can wear the armor, but it's actually plastic. We want, a real, we want to wear the real thing, you know? We want to go out there and have the real protection because if we go out there looking like it but not really rooted in Jesus, guess what happens when the darts come? It's going to crack like my kid's bubble gun straight from wherever. They couldn't even replace it because it took so long to get. They said, we'll just give you a discount. That broke before we even shot the bubbles out of it. You want a bubble gun protection or you want some real armor? Come on, somebody. This is a a wolf's world, and we're in it. And so in order to go through, we have to have the armor of God and keep the root at the source. I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. In order to remain, abide, I must engage in God's process. I must engage. Here's the secret. The secret is at the source. What do I mean? I'm telling you to go make your own fruit. You make your fruit based on the source of where you got your seed. Did you know when you become a new creation in Christ, you are now acting as the body? You are taking the place of Christ here on earth. 
So this will make more sense when you realize if the source be in you, now you can go create something new. It's, it's, in, it's imputed to us. It's all God. It's not of ourself. But when we realize that as, as we claim the name and we claim the armor, we are standing on behalf as Jesus would to the world. And that makes it all look a little different. That makes it look like, okay, my garden's a little messy. That's not a call for perfection. That's a call for clarity so you understand the power God has put inside of us to go do something with his name. So, so until we understand this is much bigger than just, hello, I go to church. This is a mission for the gospel. We are claiming to be an advocate for the Lord to a lost world. But that sounds so serious, Pastor. Yeah, it's a serious time. It's serious. We want you to have fun at church and, and get the Starbucks. I love coffee. But there's a point where you got to say, how serious am I about this? I'm claiming the name. I'm wearing this armor. I'm sweating carrying this armor that's heavy. So why am I carrying it? Because I'm defending the gospel and I'm planting the gospel in people as an advocate and representative of Jesus. And that's what the church is supposed to be. That's not what all churches are. Can I be real? That's what the church is supposed to be. You can call a lot of things church. You can call a lot of things God's house. You can call a lot of things sacred, on and on. But if the Bible is not the root of it, Come on, somebody. Are we so PC in here? We can't recognize that the Bible is only one fraction of what the world calls God. Jesus says, I am the only way, the truth, and the light. There is no one besides me. God says, I am a jealous God. I am one God, on and on and on. And I'm not trying to preach into your friends that, that they're not good enough, but I'm saying if they want to find the true vine, they got to come to Jesus and no one else. That's the only way. The secret is at the source. Watch this. I want to jump over to one passage real quick and give you three verses here. Does anybody remember when Jesus fed the multitudes with the two fish and the five loaves of bread? Everybody knows that story, right? What happened? Well, he fed them. Well, let's, let's just read it real quick. We know they're hungry. We know they, that, the, that the, the apostle says, what do we do? And there's only two little fish. And with women and children, there's 25,000 people approximately. Okay, maybe 20,000. Sorry, all you theologians. Maybe there's only 20,000. It says 5,000 plus women and children with two fish and five loaves of bread. What is he going to do here? He says, and verse 19, Matthew chapter 14, verse 19. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. The disciples picked up the 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Did you see what God did? God turns a fragment into a surplus. He turned a fragment into a surplus. And that's what remaining does, is turn a fragment of hope into a surplus of miracles. It's mustard seed faith, just a little bit. Because the secret is at the source. And if they took Jesus out of this conversation, it would have just been two fish and five is a little bread. And a lot of people would have been hungry going to Mickey D's. But no, he had a surplus off a fragment of the faith. God is showing us what a fragment can turn into. 
If y'all can stand with me, I want to leave you with this. If Jesus can just occupy a fragment of your heart, he can, full the, he can eventually fill up your heart with everything. Do you know the Bible says that we can be sinless through the righteousness of God? Doesn't that seem impossible? I'm going, I can't be sinless. Look at me, I'm so weak. John actually says in 1 John, he says, he says you can be sinless through the righteousness of God, but you gotta fill the tank up, fill the garden up. And, and in order to do that, watch this, this is so good. What did he end this with back in uh, John 15? He says, plant and yield through love, sharing God's word by loving each other. So by loving each other, you're bearing fruit. You're sharing the gospel. God is love, right? It's that simple. You don't have to know all the Bible to share his love and say, Jesus is good. It's that simple. You can drop a fragment. And by dropping a fragment, God will give the increase. Love each other. I think it's so funny that he ended all that preaching to them with love each other. That's my command. So we overthink it. We overthink it. We think we got to be so qualified to take this somewhere today. You can go to the next person and say, you know what? I went to church today and Jesus loves me. And guess what? He loves you. That's it. Are you going to say, God bless you. Have a blessed day. They're going to go, he, he said, bless me. He never says that. Yeah, that's good. That's a fragment. Now you're producing. You're producing fruit from the apple God gave you. You're producing your own garden. He's still the gardener, but now you're dropping gardens all over the community. Wouldn't that be something if we rooted up gardens all over St. Charles County and people are like, man, we're just a bunch of fruit here planting some more seed. And they recognize that. You know what the church would do? It would reach the lost so fast. Isn't that good? That's what we're called to do. You can praise for that. You can clap for that because God is good and he's the true vine and there's no way around it without his fruit. So good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you now in your mighty name, the only name given among men that we can be saved. Jesus, Jehovah saves their people from their sins. You are the one true God, the one true vine, and we only want to abide and remain in you. So when we get really confident in two weeks when everything's going good, let us not forget our armor. Let us not forget the vine. Let us not forget that you are the source, but let us go do something with it plant it in somebody. I saw something really cool today. I saw on Instagram, somebody put 1C Church on their profile and they don't work for the church. They just love the church. And I thought that was so cool because they're planting seed, Christine. They're planting seed. And I said, how dare they be so confident with their faith that if everybody took the word of God like that and put it everywhere they could find, you would see God's house multiply like that. No one wants to do it. No one wants to do it. Who wants to do it? Is it just me that wants to do it? Do we all want to do it? Do we want to see God's house grow? Do we want to see the wall come down? God's church has got to grow for the walls to come down. God's church has got to grow for, the, for God to move. He will move. He is good like that. I challenge you today, take this word into your week and get God thanks for it because he's going to bless you. And if the house of God can say in Jesus' name, amen.